A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Welcome to the White House Plumbers Podcast. We're the lore hounds, your guides to administration breaking scandals. I'm David. And I'm John. And this is our coverage of the HBO original series, White House Plumbers. In this podcast, we're going to give our quick takes on this final of a limited series before discussing what we felt were the key moments and then doing an in-depth conversation of several of the major plot points for the final episode five true believers. Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the month of June. Quick housekeeping for early and ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash the lowerhounds. We are doing a membership drive right now for our one-year anniversary. We're looking to get to 100 members. I know we have new members tonight, and uh, we're going to be adding one of them to the lore master list is very exciting. So thank you all for your support. If you're already a patron and if you want to join the family, patreon.com slash the lorehounds. If you're enjoying our content and you still want to give us a leg up, but maybe Patreon is not your thing, but you want to do something to help us, you know, you can always leave a rating or review on Apple podcasts. The ratings and reviews help us get found by uh, other listeners and the reviews let people know what to expect and what they can hear from us. So that's a really great way of helping the podcast get a little bit more uh, profile in the sea of audio that we exist in today. Truly. A quick reminder that for this limited series, we're doing short form recaps. Well, this is the last episode, so uh, your feedback will not be going on to another <laughs> podcast, but it could go 
into our inboxes and then we'll read them and and have warm fuzzies if you if you give us nice uh nice uh feedback or nice details that we might have missed i think that that'd be a fun conversation starter uh on our email or in the discord yeah uh you can send those emails or any if you just want to get in touch with us in general you can email us at lorehounds at the lorehounds.com or you can head over to our website and there we've got a voicemail feature so you can just click a button and record and there's a contact form so if you want to do that and just type it in easy peasy um in our show notes, there is a link to our Discord server. And over there, we've got a fun community of folks. Uh, we've got channels for all the different shows we're covering. And it's a fun place to chat sort of eh, quasi real time about what you're seeing or feeling uh, or, or you know, uh, hearing about the shows. So it's a cool community. Check out the link uh, and join us over there. Very cool. David, this is the finale of White House Plumbers. What'd you think of this limited series? I'm glad we're at the finale. <laughs> I don't want to be a, <laughs> I don't want to be a hater. Um, I think I was saying before we jumped, we hit record. This was like eating, you know, some grits or porridge or oatmeal without sweetener. Hmm. It, its base is good. Like the there's goodness to the you know to the uh, essence of what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just something bland about it, and I, I just felt like I was uh, working hard to watch every episode. Mm-hmm. I was just skimming the the final the finale here before we jumped on. The production values are astounding. The cinematography is great. The acting is phenomenal. The set designs and the costumes. It's really hard to do the seventies um, right. because of right. it's so it's like recent past. But it's a lot of this stuff, all the microphones that they had at press conferences or the chairs or whatever, a lot of that stuff has already been junked because it's been made way for new things. And somehow it's easier to recreate old, old stuff, but like 70s is really hard. And they did a really good job. Like everything looks authentic and smart and yeah, it just has a great look and feel to it. But something was just lacking in the story. There was just a lack of of spicing to make it um, uh, enjoyable. You know, I don't know what the, the, the missing salt element was, but it, it wasn't there for me. And I, I'm really bummed because I really, really, really wanted to enjoy this. I loved the premise and I love the actors. And yeah, I think everybody did a great job. And I just <clears throat> feel like it, it, it missed the mark. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of glad it's over. <laughs> so we don't have to struggle. <laughs> we don't have to struggle through this. And, you know, it's hard. It's when we have to generate a lot of energy and when a, a show is great, then it's easy for us. We can just glide and right. And, and we'll end up going three times our intended length if it's great. Exactly. Uh, and then kaleidoscope, we're struggling to hit like a thirty-minute mark. <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is not kaleidoscope level, I would say. I think that this, no. this was certainly a level above that. I think that there were a lot of things to like about this show. Agreed. I think that the acting was really excellent. The casting Amazing. was really excellent. Um, the really, I, I think you're right. Like the production values are great. Everything's great except the writing. And that's a shame because, you know, a show rests on its writers as we've learned recently with the writer strike, you know, you, you can't do the show without the writers. And yep. I just don't know. I don't think the writing hit its mark this season. I and didn't not, hate it. I didn't not hate that the it. The writing was bad. The dialogue was no, bad right. or anything, but it was the, the structure, the story right. structure was, was right. lacking. Yeah, I think. Here, here's something that I think might be part of this is 
maybe 10 years ago, this would have been a mind-blowing show, mm. but we lived through such a crazy political situation over the last like five years. That's an interesting that point. It makes Watergate and the things around it feel smaller. <laughs> bah humbug. You're not yeah, waving I mean, uh, top secret documents around while somebody's <laughs> secretly recording you. <laughs> that's right. news, you know. Right. I was just, you know, like I, I do think that that's part of it. I think it's it's political fatigue. It's scandal fatigue. Yeah. It's you know, we we see things in the news every day and I'm I'm not going into like politics, like whatever, pick a politician. Right. And uh and we just see a lot of that going on now and I, I don't think that that saturation level really hit until a few years ago, but I think we finally hit it. And so now you do a show about, oh, my God. And can you believe they broke into a psychiatrist's office? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can believe that. It's Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The thing that really I think could have been more unique about this was the way that it affected the families, I think, could have been played on more. Interesting. And. Yeah. Also, just how dumb everybody was could have been played yeah. up more. I, you know, they they tried to harp on that, but I don't know. I, it just didn't feel like it was complete. Yeah, it's just the absurdity was not played up, and I guess they were trying to be a little bit more accurate, like historically accurate. But I don't know. We have we have enough records of Watergate. We know what happened. I don't think that I don't think that you're doing a disservice to the public to make a joke out of these people. I think we talked about that on a, a previous podcast. If they yeah. had swerved into the absurdity it could have been fun and a quite yeah. a romp yeah. or if they'd swerved into the the docudrama then and it was a little bit more serious and we examined right. the roots of scandal and and how it's how it is right. affected us uh, in this modern age yeah one way or the other but y they didn't do a j good job serving both of those masters yeah you know it's funny cuz i i mentioned in the first or second episode i was reading the book that this is based yeah. on and uh, Bud Crow, who they've mentioned throughout the series, he was in the first episode. He was the guy with the glasses giving them the original job in the SIU. I forget the uh, actor's name, but I believe he was a madman actor. Yes, he was. The, he yeah. was. Yeah. So him, him, he was the guy who wrote this book and he he really was part of this. And he uh, they mentioned this, too, in the in the last episode that we're about to talk about is he refused to take a plea deal. He said, you know, put me in prison. I will tell you everything, but sentence me first and then I'll tell you. Mm. And because he felt so badly about what he did. And I think that his story is almost more interesting than what they told here. He got put in the back burner this series after episode one. But his whole story was basically a breaking bad thing of I'm so zealous that I'm going to keep justifying the next thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep justifying doing the next thing. And I'm not going to realize how badly I screwed up until I'm really deep in. And right. he, he, you know, he was put on the back burner largely because he did go on the back burner. You know, he did stop doing these things because he felt like, I think this is going too far. Uh, but maybe if they would have told a little bit more of a Breaking Bad type of story where you see sort of Hunt struggle with that. And we got a little bit of that with him pushing back on Liddy on the last Watergate break in. Right. But it just wasn't enough. It was not enough to sell me on feeling for these characters. I felt badly for no one except maybe Dorothy. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't even in the last episode. So it's I feel it's, I kind of uh, feel bad for the kids, you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, so. of course. Of course. But again, the kids weren't developed until this last episode. Like suddenly they're prominent yeah. figures in the show, whereas they weren't. They were really ancillary until this last episode. Another thing I was listening, uh, um, not consistently, but uh, a couple of times I tuned into the official podcast and 
And I know here uh, on our podcast and in other forums and other podcasts, this uh, topic gets brought up as conversation once in a while, which is what's the position of the official podcast? And especially when they're talking to the showrunners or the writers and Uh whatnot. And a lot of times it can be very illuminating and it's interesting to learn behind the scenes um, facts and how actors or writers prepared for roles or how they wrote scenes, things like that. And one thing that I think is generally agreed upon is when you have to rely on the official podcast to explain the details of the show you're watching, then that's actually unfortunate in a way because the show should stand on your own. And so listening to the uh, podcast for the final episode, really brilliantly produced podcast too. It's not just a uh, sit down and interview, but it's it's Uh actually – uh, a created story where they bounce around to different creators and they have hmm. the scene transition music. It's very uh, This American Life or Serial, stuff like okay. that. Okay. Uh, really, really, really high quality for an official podcast. Um, and one of the things that they were doing was they were talking to the showrunners and they were talking about certain things with John Dean and how he was quite the looker and he had, you know, these cool glasses and he had a, a particular, his wife was a particularly attractive person and all of that kind of stuff made it into the show. And I remember at certain s- scenes when somebody commented on John Dean's wife, that was like a head scratcher or when Liddy comments on his glasses. Right. And I was, what does this have to do with the plot? What does this have to do with Hunt's breakdown? What does this have to do with uh, uh, Liddy's zealotry or, you know, the, you know, the destabilization of the administration and whatnot. And the showrunners were explaining, well, oh, this and that. And, you know, his, his, uh, the, the woman he was married to, you know, and this, and the, he used to, you know, he was a very fashionable guy and he was uh, a man about town and stuff. And I was like, that's really fascinating detail and all very interesting. And you included it in the show. And I remember those scenes and it didn't make a damn bit of difference to the story right. or well, enjoyment Dean, of it. He hardly shows up in the series. Exactly. And then suddenly he's there. That, I think that's the point. Is the show lacked a focus point. Yeah. Because point of view. I, I guess the focus point would have been Hunt, but Hunt is such an absurd character that you can't <laughs> empathize with. You true. needed a straight man, right? Yeah, like you needed right. you needed a, a character for the audience to see itself in. And I don't think there was any main character that really felt relatable. No, yeah. Because both Hunt and Liddy are so extreme right. that we it, it's, hard, it's very hard to relate to them. And right. so, yeah, we don't like have I think, a... I think Bud Crow might have been that character. You think he might be And right. they just wrote him out too quickly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Because he's the guy who looked back and said, wow, what did I do? You know, he was the guy who kind of sobered up at some point. And I think that that's. And I, and, that's and I believe John Dean did as well. And, and John Dean did a lot to try to. John Dean it. did a lot to get out of prison. Let's be honest. But, um, John <laughs> Dean, true. you know, you heard him, too. He's like, well, I realized I was being recorded and I was the fall guy. So I guess I'm yeah. not going to go to prison. I mean, yeah, he did what he needed to do to protect his own neck. I don't want to call him a hero here. No, um, no, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there, there just was not a good focus point. Um, I, I couldn't see Hunt. I, I think they wanted me to see Hunt as this tragic figure. We get mostly Hunt on the. He seemed to be the focal point for me, if I series. remember all of yeah of the series. Yeah. It was Hunt. 
So, and I, I just couldn't see him as a tragic figure because he he was making such obvious mistakes, and they were all tied to this like toxic masculinity kind of thing of like, right? Oh, I gotta, I gotta be this top status. I work in the White House now, and it's right. I don't Four know. It didn't and station chief of Mexico City, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think again, I think this might have worked ten years ago, but I think we're all tired of feeling badly for this trope of this like. A guy, adult man who refuses to get in touch with his emotions. <laughs> you know, like grow up a little bit. You know, we, we have enough therapy. of that with Chris Pratt in the Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, don't don't listen to the Guardians of the Galaxy podcast if you don't want to be mad at me and David um, and John. <laughs> more actually, you. more yeah. you. Yeah, uh, I was, yeah, but I was, do I was listen to the MCU podcast negative. because uh, super excited for Spider Man this weekend. Yeah, so. and Alicia brings positivity to it. Uh, totally. She was a big fan of that. Yeah. Speaking of Alicia, can we just throw in a quick shameless plug? Yeah. Um, I just listened to her latest episode uh, for the Silo TV show on Apple TV Plus, and it was a great episode. Her and her co-host Luke are doing a really good job um, uh, covering that show, and it's so nice to just ride easy on a very cool yeah. show and I don't have yeah. to do any uh, work around it. But if you're watching that show and you want to check out Alicia's podcast, she's now an affiliate of ours where she's uh, being published under our umbrella. So uh, go check out the, just search for wool shift dust. There'll be a link in the thing um, and check out her podcast and show her some love. Cool. All right. Let's get into our favorite laugh out loud moments quickly. Give me your top one, David. I think it has to be uh, Liddy in prison when he's being uh, applauded by the other prisoners <laughs> and he's yeah. so um, uh, exultant and exuberant and, and just feeling so great that what does he do? He has to start singing Nazi, Nazi anthems and throw oh. a Nazi salute. It was just so perfectly Liddy. He's so oblivious, but but I don't know. He's such a wild character. It's 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 fascinating, and the complexity of him getting this uh, this standing ovation largely prompted by him getting kosher meals for a Jewish inmate and helping and yet, other uh, African American prisoners right. who were who were wrongly convicted. Right. <laughs> like, oh my lord. And and yet he's doing you know. He's doing songs and a salute from a regime that was the opposite of what he just did. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's just, and it's I, I so... hate to quote. I hate going to to the official podcast to quote something for our content. It, it just feels a little bit. Uh, but that's one of the things that they they were talking about is how Liddy himself he idolized um, that regime, but then they would they said in, in his daily behavior and, and in other things. He did not seem to be an an overt racist in in many ways, mm-hmm. and so it's this weird thing where he just idolized the order. I think the order of it and the the sense of belonging to this hyper. Degree. He's like, I, I want to be I, a good Fuhrer. Exactly, exactly. And I don't, I don't even know if it. Yeah, and and yeah, there's all these questions about strong leadership and all this kind of stuff. But I think he was just a a guy who was really into that structure and that order of society and everything in its place. And like the know, powerful orator leading. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All that. Stuff. Yeah. And I don't want to be a, I don't want to code here as a Nazi apologist. No, no. You know, throwing this salute and doing all yeah. that stuff, but uh, just trying to understand like, how could he help 
African African American prisoners and and a Jewish prisoner uh, with their basic fundamental human rights, and at the same time, bro, a salute. It's such a bizarre. I, I think it's just we are creatures of cognitive dissonance. We have constant yeah. cognitive dissonance, and he is just a person who Perfect wants to do the right thing in some ways and does the wrong thing in other ways, and that's just yeah. human nature. He was a wild dude. Like, yeah. Yeah, even the, the picture, I never even knew what he looked like, really. But then they showed a picture of him, I think, at the end. And I was yeah. like, oh, that is that is a very good, uh, you know, makeup, hair, makeup, costuming thing that they did with Justin Thoreau. Oh, right. Because when it was they actually... did a great job <laughs> of recreating this guy. He did. He really inhabited the part He had, and, and the look. I, I for forever now um, throws portrayal will be the model of G Gordon Liddy in yeah. my head that lives yeah. uh, rent free in my head. Well, speaking of G Gordon Liddy, yes, sir. He, uh, the, he was the subject of my LOL moment too. Uh, two cartons of Pall Malls and what you can do with them. <laughs> just this whole thing of like two cartons of Pall Malls, just screaming it back at at uh, yeah. at Hunt. Hunt. So good, so good. And you don't know if it's real. I mean, it could very well be real. You really don't yeah. know yeah. if if he's going to back that thread up or not, because he certainly um, uh, is capable of doing something like that. I think it was maybe three to five times in this series that he said, yeah, I'll have Hunt killed if you need. <laughs> he just was ready to do it. He honestly was waiting right. for someone to give him the OK to take out Hunt. Yeah. Or, or just take out anybody, yeah. <laughs> for that matter. I don't think he, he just wanted to kill somebody. Exactly. Uh, Ugh, that guy he, is scary. Crazy scary. All right. Let's get into this episode. We've Sounds got three storylines. Uh, we're going to start with the funeral and pre-trial. St. John plays a song for his mother at her funeral before breaking down crying. While the services are happening, Liddy insists that he and Hunt need to speak as soon as possible. After the services, Hunt tells Liddy he's not writing the book and that Dorothy took out a $200,000 life insurance policy a few days before her death. He believes there was foul play in the plane crash, which is reinforced by McCord's commentary to a tuna casserole. Hunt finds Dorothy's payment records and suggests that his daughter, Kevin, should destroy them. By the way, Kevin... I didn't notice till this episode. That was Sabrina from the Netflix series. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't cool. notice that till this episode. But uh yeah, I this this whole thing, this was uh probably second place for my LOL moment was Liddy just in Hunt's ear at the funeral. Just <laughs> just like, okay, but we need to talk. <laughs> the one of the great things I did enjoy about the the series overall was the camera work. And uh-huh. they would set up these shots where here we have a, a distraught hunt and then looming up over the back of his shoulder <laughs> comes Liddy and, you know, whispering yeah. sweet, terrible things into his ear uh, and then, you know, sort of withdrawing back. So that was very disturbingly hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Very dark comedy. Um, you know, we're on Barry this season, so we're used to the dark comedy. Uh, this lived up to it. This was one of the better moments of the episode. Uh, also, I like Hunt's follow up when he goes, "It's not a meeting; it's a funeral." <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, this was a good meeting. <laughs> no, it's not. We're outside my wife's funeral. Oh my god! Right. It, it's it just goes to Liddy's uh, 
he just when he's focused in on something, it's everything else. Zealotry, right? Yeah, exactly. They're like to to to. Uh, well, can you be extreme in your zealotry? I mean, that's almost redundant, sure. right? It's a why double, not? Redu- it's a why double not? positive. Um, I think that when you have Howard Hunt as the voice of reason, you have gone too far. <laughs> You're in trouble. And he's the voice of reason several times this episode, and that's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, um, it's not uncommon. It was not uncommon in that day to be able to buy life insurance on the spot because air travel was so uh, terrible back then. And there was a... um, uh, it was not un, it was not infrequent for for planes to crash. That there were life insurance booths right there, and you could take out a policy. Uh, wow! As you were. And and airline travel was still new in that day and age in terms of being a mass market. Anybody yeah, could like walk commercial up, airlines exactly. And so uh, you know the business of America is business. And so when the insurance uh, industry decide you know took a look and said oh. Well, we can sell policies at the airport. And it's <laughs> oh, a you're license getting into the print. death box. Would you like yeah. to buy a policy? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was an easy way to, for them to print money, and so yeah. it's a great element, though, that ties into all of the uh, conspiracy theories around JFK and the Bay of Pigs and um, all of that stuff. And so it, it's apparently been that fact that Dorothy took out that. Uh, life insurance policy is one of those things that is just a sticking point for people. But it turns out that that was a pretty normal thing to do back then. Yeah. Here's my question for you. Yes, sir. If they were nicer to McCord, would he have flipped on them? Because Hunt not inviting him in struck me as a moment of something breaking. That was so rude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you brought tuna? Thanks. Bye. Bang. Actually, um, he didn't even say thanks, right? He just yeah, shoved no. the door in his face. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Is like, I think McCord was sort of an outsider of this group from the beginning. I wonder if he would have felt more camaraderie with the people if he would have just not flipped. I, I don't know that McCord... He was such a peculiar fellow, mm-hmm. and I, I just don't think he, even if you had, I guess there's there's overt rudeness, but then would he? I, I don't know. I think he would have always been a pebbler in their shoe, no matter okay. what. So. He waited a long time, at least if in the version that we're seeing on the show. I don't know how this lined up with real life, but he waited a long time to come clean about this. You know, he waited till sentencing, basically. Right. Yeah. And I just wonder how much of that was personal. Will I, should I, or should I not, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, because maybe, maybe they all would have gotten less sentences if, if he didn't, but I, I think they were all going to get pretty bad sentences. Anyway, that judge seemed like he was ready to just throw the book <laughs> at everybody. And uh, the judge um, is our friend from the white Lotus. Um, yes. Yes. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham, who's going through some uh, allegations right now. Oh, is he? Yes, it's not great. Oh, Oh, no. We'll save that for Google, for everybody at home. All right. Well, that's a bummer. Um, Yeah, it's really tough to see the impact, too, of Dorothy's death on on the kids and the family and the son, St. John. 
uh, <laughs> there's later on when he comes in to get some pills and, and Hunt is like, saves me some, don't take them all. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, it really shows you the depths that of depression that this family in is in that the father is so far gone that he can't see that his son is getting hooked on antidepressants or whatever he was taking that it, it wasn't about son. Oh, you, you better ease up on those. You really not. You're supposed to be taking that. He's like, no, save me some. I need them yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what they were? But yeah, not great. Not great to just great. allow your son to get into, you know, pill addictions. Yeah. Well, other than that, I don't have much else to say about this part, uh, except the the Kevin thing is seated. How you know she's yeah. told to? I think she was clearly uncomfortable from the beginning. You you want me to destroy these? Oh, I can't ask you to do that. It's yeah. You know, it, will no one shit, rid Howard. me of this meddlesome priest? Right, right. Or was, whatever the uh, exact quote is, but yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, we we all know the the gist of it. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get into the trial. At the trial, the judge is skeptical that he's getting the complete story from the defendants, who have all agreed to stay silent to protect the administration after John Dean promised to get them presidential pardons. Thinking he might be saved by the evidence in his White House locker, Hunt learns that John Dean has removed the evidence of White House involvement. At the last moment, Jim McCord cooperates with the prosecutors, earning him no prison time. The rest of the defendants get 25 to 40 years in prison, depending on their involvement, the maximum allowable. Which is really interesting compared to what they actually have in the end. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Isn't it two and a half and four and a half years for the two main? Yes, for for Liddy and for Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a big difference. Big difference. That's a big sentence, though. Yeah, twenty-five to forty. That's huge. I know. I know. Yeah, and and it was sad too. You know, the Cubans, they all got like forty years because they were the ones who actually did the break-in, and a lot of them didn't even realize it wasn't a CIA operation. And I I think that might be true, right? Right, and that uh, they weren't really being paid the same at the same scale, even if they did get some right. money, they, they were really taken advantage of. Uh, yeah. And it was a real disservice. Yeah. Um, I don't know I, what the status of, of the rest of those are. That would be interesting. Right. Research. I think, um, I think one of the best things this show did in the end was say, you know, I, how many, how many, uh, I think it was over, over a few hundred uh, defendants went to prison for the, for the Watergate scandal. Richard Nixon was never charged. I mean, Richard Nixon ruined a lot of lives with this thing. Yeah. And got away with it scot-free. Like, sure, he didn't get to be president anymore, but being president is a privilege, not a right. And a lot of people lost their rights because of him getting them into nonsense. And yeah. and I think maybe if they would have sort of made me sympathize with more of these people, maybe show me more of the Cuban story. Mm-hmm then maybe I would have focused on that earlier and not in the post-credits text. I think for me, there are two, and I don't want to be overly negative here, but there were just, just to touch on these, there, there are two things that were disappointing for me. The things that I was really uh, excited to see how they did it. And one was the break-ins and the other was the, the trials. Mm-hmm. And, I think we could have had a lot of fun if we had done uh, a, a real focus in on the trials. If maybe one of the episodes was just the trial, 
you know, if they did it, if they did a sixth episode or something like that, and it was just all the trials and all the shenanigans and all the legal maneuverings and, you know, Liddy, you know, playing little silly pranks and, and doing stuff like that, that would have been a lot of fun. Uh, but instead we sort of dip in and dip out and it's a little confusing as to what's going on and when yeah, and yeah. how the, how the timeline, uh, works with, the with, um, with the court actually as it goes along. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, F. Murray Abraham, despite, uh, whatever is happening with him now, uh, as a judge and, you know, with that overbearing and. So it could have been a real good comedy. There could have been some right. really good comedy right. moments there between him and Thoreau and Hunt and um, uh, Woody Harrelson. But yeah. I think, yeah, it's just kind of a miss. That said, I think this episode grabbed me more than any other episode. Really? And I think the reason is a lot of it was spent after the trial. And that's the part right. that I don't know much about. Because, you know, we all know that Watergate ends with a lot of people in prison. But what we don't usually talk about is what happened to those people afterwards. Yeah. And this sort of forces you to confront that and and confront the effects on people's lives. And I think that's what grabbed me more. So the, the last half of the episode, I enjoyed way more than basically anything else in the series. Interesting. Okay. I think for me, it was number two. Please destroy this, huh? With um, That was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With uh, what's her name in it? Kathleen. Kathleen uh, Turner. Yes. Yeah. So. That was a great episode, too. Yeah. Well, parts of it were great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was interesting to to learn a little bit more of the ins and the outs, too, as well, with yeah. Dean and some of what was going on. And the, the and the locker stuff. thing. Yeah. You know, he's getting rid of the documents. That was obstruction right there. I mean, yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, obstruction is a dangerous game because if you don't Ooh. obstruct well enough. Then you got yeah. even more charges, and I think Dean was just racking them up here. Uh, it's only later that he covers his own ass. All right, David, let's head to prison. Okay, let's go. Hopefully, we're just visiting. In prison, Hunt and Liddy watch as John Dean testifies before Congress. They understand they will not be getting pardons. Hunt sells the family home and sends his youngest son, David, to live with his godfather in Miami. Hunt and Liddy get into an argument, which ends when Hunt has a stroke. In the hospital, Hunt is visited by Kevin, who tells him that he either he tells the prosecutors the truth or she's giving them Dorothy's records. Hunt decides to cooperate and testifies before Congress, but it's too late. Liddy is visited by his wife, who asks why he won't cooperate and come home, but he tells her he'll never break. After helping many inmates get new trials and getting kosher meals for a Jewish inmate, he, st- he gets a standing ovation which he responds to with German songs and a Nazi salute. In the end credits, we learn that Hunt served two and a half years and Liddy served four and a half years, and that Hunt may have confessed to involvement in the Kennedy assassination on his deathbed. Yeah, uh, I think one of the moments that I found the most interesting in this was when Hunt joins the rest of the crew in prison, when he walks back into their little, you know, cell unit. Yeah. And they're all having a good laugh. And Hunt really does have an affection for his comrades from Cuba, from Cuba. And, you know, there's a real, yeah, there's a real Speaking I, I Spanish a, to them, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's there's and, a camaraderie, like you said. Yeah. He, he, you know, there's a, there's a real vibe between everybody. And then, um, and it's like, oh, you're welcome. Hey, we've got this cool little crew. We've got our own little wing. Everything's going to be cool. 
And then Liddy shows up and it just puts a total harsh on the vibe. <laughs> and I was so I was I was kind of wishing for Hunt that he could just have this. Just a year or two in prison with some close friends. <laughs> they could just hang out. <laughs> it's a little you know, prison vacation. Know. Yeah, exactly. Instead, they've got to deal with a Liddy and his insanity and his, you know, his comb and his hair dye and, you know, all of the his strident uh, um, uh, allegiance to the White House. It, it, he really was a, a awkward person. I don't know. It would have been very difficult to share a bunk with him. Very agreed. Agreed. I would not want to be roommates with him. No. Uh, I did enjoy their reaction to not getting pardons. Liddy's like, oh, well. And Hunt is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> He's just <laughs> has a meltdown about it. And, yeah. uh, um, what was very sad to me though, was him sending his youngest son to live oh. the Godfather, not giving them a heads up call. Hey, somebody's going to come kidnap your brother and it's fine. I've given him permission. I kind of want to hear, I, I kind of want to hear what Dave adult David has to say about this. Oh yeah. He probably doesn't want to, <laughs> I don't know how much he wants to talk about it, but, uh, it, it certainly makes the stuff of, uh, Child psychology, uh, you know, nightmare fuel for child psychologists. Well, I saw actually on his Wikipedia page, on on Howard Hunt's Wikipedia page, the whole thing about confessing to the Kennedy assassination on his deathbed, Right, that I believe was his children, and I think David was involved with this, but I could be wrong. Uh, His children said that that's what he said. Right. And another family member said, no, the children just wanted to get some money out of this and write a book about it. Okay, <laughs> and so that's why it's a debate. It's a may, he may have so maybe David's like screw it. I'm going to make some money out of your stupid career if you're going to send me off to this weird man in Florida. <laughs> it's a perfect uh, conspiracy theory triangle, you know, a three legged stool there, because that would be the perfect thing to say if you if it were true and you wanted to show you know so doubt about it <laughs> or if it weren't true you do have to say something about it. there's no verifiable way it's right. a perfect uh, uh conditions for conspiracy theory bacteria to run rampant uh in that so uh i i don't know i maybe i hope they got a little something from it because they did suffer tremendously <laughs> for, yeah. throughout this thing you know their their fathers uh, initial downfall, you, you know, being, uh, you know, f- ever since the Bay of Pigs and just never finding his footing again, right? losing right. their mother and then to being, you know, thrust into the national limelight yeah. and their father going to prison. And they're yeah, horrible, horrible. Yeah. I mean, Hunt is honestly lucky that Dorothy took out that life insurance policy. Otherwise, yes. he probably wouldn't have even been able to leave any money for the kids to support themselves without him. Yeah. Wild. Uh, the, what did you think of the ending where, where he learns that Nixon, uh, resigns? It was, I think he's basically like, it was all for nothing, right? Yeah. It was all for nothing. Nixon resigned. In fact, that's, that's what brought him down is what they did brought him down. Mm -hmm. He won. It's insane to think about. I mean, I, I remember it was last episode, but the avalanche victory that, that Nixon had in 72, yeah. It was insane. His electoral college victory was almost complete. 
And they really didn't. And that's what Dorothy was saying. Like, why did you even do this? He was fine. He was McGovern was never going to win. He was never going to win. If it had been Robert Kennedy, if Robert Kennedy hadn't been assassinated, I think right. uh, yeah. Nixon, Nixon would have had a real rival. But this whole thing with McGovern, he, he was never going to win. Right. And it's kind of silly that they went through all this to thwart an unpopular candidate. I'm looking uh, at some uh, Google image searches of uh, Nixon uh, on the helicopter and, you know, the whole, you know, leaving, leaving office. uh, And it really is, this administration sets up so many things. I I mean, and and I'm not getting political here. This is just a fact. Roger Ailes, the founder of Fox News, Mm -hmm. you know, who obviously had a lot of help from Murdoch. But he was, I believe, in the Nixon administration, or no, he was in the Reagan administration, but he was sore about what happened to Nixon. And so he set up right. Fox News to uh, try to uh, create this counter voicing because they were angry about how Nixon was treated. And yet, how, m- how many people were in prison and all of the different stuff and, and right, institutions right. being shaken. Oh, I'm so floors. sorry that people were mean to Nixon, whereas everybody else went to prison. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's something that Bud Crow and then was and Nixon was pardoned uh, right. by by uh, Ford. So right. Uh, something that Bud Crow writes in his book is he went to visit Nixon after he got out of prison. Uh huh. And Nixon basically had no remorse. He didn't think he did anything wrong. Right. right. And that struck him as this guy can never improve because he will never admit that he did anything wrong. And he'll never he'll never acknowledge that he his integrity faltered. Right. Did yeah. you ever see the movie Frost Nixon? No. It uh, it'd be interesting to watch it uh, after this, after seeing the White House plumbers. Um. It's a, it's a, I thought it was an interesting and compelling movie. I'm not sure of its historical veracity and everything like that, but, uh, I, it just makes me think about how Nixon had this center of gravity on the op- opposite coast of Washington, DC. So, you know, for all the years afterwards, how there was just these swirling, uh, political forces ar- around him still. And I think it's, Interesting when you think about democracy and how various governments through time and and uh, history have tried to establish rules of power and counterbalancing to power. Yeah, and it's where we try. Our, the founders certainly tried to set up a system that would counteract uh, a person like a Nixon or a Reagan, even or even other uh, more recent examples. Of people whose egos outstrip the well-functioning and well, uh, the well administration, the good administration of a yeah. large body of people. Politics is simply the measure of how we make decisions in a large group at, at the sociologic, at a society-wide level. Right? We have to have some way to make decisions, and it, and so we have politics. But then when you get somebody like a Nixon who is so wrapped up in their own ego Mm -hmm. and pulls everybody into their gravity, and then when things go bad, is willing to just throw those people 
over the cliff, under the bus, down the holes, however you want, and just dispose of people to cover up their, you know, the criminality that they're instigating. Right. Um, that's why we try to have a tripartite government where we have courts and a legislature and we don't have a king uh, and, right. and all of these things. And yet, even so, when you get somebody as powerful as that and they can bend the levers of government to their will, it's it's frightening. It's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, we had a lot of issues with that original constitution. And don't forget, the constitution was the second draft. We had the Articles of Confederation first. A lot of our laws, a lot of our systems are a reaction to somebody screwing it up. Yes, exactly. You know, that's why we have term limits on the president now. Right. That's why we have independent council laws after Nixon. Right. And uh, attorneys or not. um what are those uh, guys in the department? We had this conversation before about um, inspector general, inspector generals yeah. and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, a lot of this is reforms, like a lot of the ethical reforms in all these different professions in government happened because of Watergate. And yeah. and so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, this country is an ongoing experiment and sometimes things we didn't consider come up. Yes. And uh, we have to we have to address those. Um but yeah, I thought it was an okay series. I thought it was fun. It was it was not the worst of times, and it was not the best of times. Right. It was the most medium of times for me. <laughs> yeah, and and I think there's um from an entertainment value, there were some misses. And I think maybe from a political historical standpoint, in terms of having this kind of conversation, I mean, I think that would have been really interesting to, if this sh- show had a, a different point of view, had a, had a real specific point of view, we could have been talking about these uh, questions of history and politics and structures and institutions. That would have been a fascinating conversa- ongoing conversation, but I right. never the show never really butted up against those. Um, right. It really just dealt with the uh, absurdity of Liddy and Hunt. And, um, yeah. yeah. I'm going to pull in a, uh, a Discord comment here. We're going to move into feedback, but let's start with this because it relates for directly to what you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Back4077 said, David, I think you articulated something important in the last podcast about missing a moral quandary. In Gaslit, you saw the struggle with John Dean on to the last episode. Here we go. So this is before uh, Back saw the last episode. Right. I think that that hits the nail on the head is where was this moral quandary? I mean, the the debate that was happening within these men was not, do I do the right thing and tell the truth or not? It was, do I save my ass and tell the truth or right. not? It was always right. about self-interest. It was just, which way should I go to better serve myself? Yeah, and I think that's something that maybe we didn't touch on very much in our in our conversation around this episode specifically was how when these people saw that they were being sacrificed and thrown up uh, to the courts and into the public, you know, somebody has to pay for these crimes. Um, it wasn't out of either. You had this insane uh, sense of allegiance and loyalty to the man who was throwing you under the bus. Uh, or it was, I got to get mine before somebody else. You know, the first right. one of the prosecutor is going to get the best deal, right? That's the, yeah. that's the rule in criminal conspiracies. And, talk first and, and talk fast. Yeah, and and Hunt had the opportunity to do that, and he blew it. And Dorothy yeah. basically told him, like, buddy, it's time. It's yeah. time to blow the whistle on this thing or you're going down. Oh, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to be loyal. And it's only when it's too late. And that's the kind of the sad part is it's too late. And he goes to Congress, and, and they're like, eh. 
Or if this we had been a tragedy and, and the tragedy was to follow Hunt, who was a talented person and, you know, a family man, all, you know, whatever, you know, uh, you know, gussy him up on the one side so that we can see his downfall on the other. That would have been an interesting point of view. Yeah. But he sort of started a little pathetic and ended pathetic. Yeah. And that know? didn't give us an arc. There's no right. beginning, middle and end there. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was just a guy who made a bunch of bad decisions before and after the series started. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Speaking of feedback, you can send us feedback again at lorehounds at thelorehounds.com. You can send it on thelorehounds.com. Head to our contact page. You can send us a voicemail, send us a contact form entry. A lot of ways you can head to our Discord. We we accept all forms of, of feedback, and we love getting it. Uh, Brian8063 has been writing in every week. Can this I, week, no voicemail from Brian. Yeah, fair enough. But can I just just quickly... Brian, thank you so much. Um, I, I really, uh, I was, uh, I had a message with one of our uh, uh, Patreon subscribers today, and they said, "Oh, it's so nice to be able to actually, you know, interact with you guys." And I was like, "Yeah, that's what we." I, I don't know. It's kind of cool that we have a community that when a show comes up and somebody like Brian, who actually is a professional in this uh, in this field, yeah. Yeah, Brian suddenly has a voice and he's able to share his expertise and knowledge with our community. And I, I don't know, that's one of the fun things that I, I really enjoy about this whole podcasting gig is that we get to have this kind of feedback. Or we had Marta when we were doing the White Lotus and she was writing in from Italy and telling us the song lyrics and all of these kinds of stuff. I think it's just cool. And and Brian, I just want to, you know, give you a special shout out and thank you for for taking your time to yeah, out of your week to send us this information not for John and I's benefits, but for uh, everybody else who's a, a listener of this podcast. So thanks, Brian. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. It's, a, it's enriched my understanding. And Brian even answered my question from last week. So I'm excited oh, to get nice. to the answer. Hi, David and John. Some follow-up from last week's podcast. Mr. Rivers gave the Hunts $154,000 or $1.2 million in today's dollars. And the Liddies, <laughs> I almost spit out my water. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Liddy's $26,000 or $187,000 in today's money. Quite a difference, I got to yeah. say. That's quite the difference. So thanks for that, Brian. That's already already pretty mind-blowing that they gave him that much money and and it didn't get Where caught. did they get that cash? Was that campaign cash? That's Nixon cash. Well, God. remember we talked about that that uh Nixon tape that says uh he's basically asking John Dean how much money do we need to pay off these Watergate defendants? And John Dean's like, I don't know, a million. He's like, Oh, I can get that in cash. <laughs> Nixon just goes, I can get that in cash. God. Yeah. Bladen. It's Shocking. brazen. Shocking. Yeah. David, you made an interesting comment about the Nixon administration in today's politics. Nixon was determined to promote a more conservative domestic policy, a first since the New Deal. This was happening in light of the most, one of the most polarized periods in our history, the 1960s. The conservative movement was building momentum with Governor Ronald Reagan and the legacy of Barry Goldwater's 1964 presidential run. Conservatives were excited to see Richard Nixon in office and be part of it. Uh, although Republicans took a hit in the next few elections, it did not stop the conservative movement as Reagan entered office seven years later. Right. Uh, good general comments here. Uh, I, I think totally agree. Nixon was part of the same wave as Reagan. Yeah. Uh, and, and Nixon, you got to remember, Nixon was around a long time. Yes, he, he was. If, if you want to see a great 1950s Nixon speech, it's the checkers speech. Do you know about the speech, David? Did I tell you I, about this already? 
You know, I know it. Uh, it's it's in my head, and when you say the word checkers, I know that there's something there. I just don't have the details. Okay, at my fingertips. You my gotta look up the checkers is... speech. It's uh, it's it's like a half hour long. He did this right. on TV. They let him broadcast a half hour speech. That's how different TV was in the 1950s. But he basically was caught. Um, I I think basically using political funds for personal gain, which is a big no-no. And they were maybe going to remove him from office. And Nixon said, I've, you know, he never actually explicitly says, I've never done this. He goes, I have to admit, I have used, I I have kept a presidential donation or a a political donation for personal use. Uh, Checkers, our dog, was given to us from a, a donor and I have to tell you, my wife and my children love checkers and we're not giving him back. Right. And he really like reframes it as like, oh, you want me to give my dog back? It's it's like Perfect. the most brilliant political speech ever. And he got away with it. And he ended up being president 20 years later. Right. It's judo. It's Perfect ju- political judo. Yeah. And he won. You know, he's like he's like, so if you if you don't think that I should resign, then uh, I think maybe you should call the Republican National Committee and let them know that we're not getting rid of checkers. And he was he was a driven man to to get big on McCarthyism. Yeah, to 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 get to being the president, it was yeah. a, a driving goal for him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I, you know, we always talk about if uh, TV hadn't been around in 1960, he might have won that that big presidential debate that tipped the favor in in uh, to right. John Kennedy. Right, because Ke- Kennedy looked very charismatic right. and uh, suave. Where uh, Nixon looked uh, sweaty and sort of right. fidgety, uh, yeah. Meanwhile, people on the radio thought Nixon did a better job. Exactly, yeah. It's a classic. Uh, it's a classic example now of of modern visual politics. Right. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Um, but Nixon, I think, always was doing some slimy stuff. His entire career was doing slimy stuff. Yeah. It only just came out once he had power. He was ready to abuse it. For episode five, Brian writes. The weak spot for the burglars proved to be the McCord uh, character who felt slighted by the White House. He also had a family and talked to law enforcement. The series doesn't cover him much since it really focuses on Lydia and Hunt. In this last episode, we see the breakup of these two men and the fall of Hunt. So here is how I approach historical dramas and comedies. I live in the space a lot of the time. I'm a senior researcher at the University of Virginia that focuses on presidential history, and I've worked at a few presidential sites. So studying the presidency in American political history is what I do. Again, Brian, (laughs) amazing. what his actual job is. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Brian, for sharing all your knowledge with us. Uh, However, if one person watches a television show or movie, gets interested in the historical topic, then goes off to read more about it, it's a win in my book. I hope someone is inspired by this show and seeks out the history. I noticed one thing about this show in the HBO Max app. Uh, Unlike bigger TV series, I had a a little trouble finding the show in the app. Maybe it's the settings, but I wonder if they were not promoting this so much, especially since it had succession to deal with. Thanks again for doing this show. Great work, Brian8063. This show definitely suffered for being at the same time as Barry and Succession. On it Monday was, nights, though, in the shadow far, of. Sure, sure. Yeah, but it was in the shadow. Yeah. First of all, Monday night, people do not watch HBO on Monday night as much as they do on Sunday. 
Right. If this had yeah. been 10 o'clock on Sunday after succession, I think this might have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, this, you know, there's only so much time in a week, and there's only so much bandwidth people have to watch TV. And they're on they're not all maniacs that watch a ton of TV like we do and then <laughs> talk about it for hours. <laughs> I think, you know, you're if if I have to pick between those three shows, probably gonna not I'm probably gonna drop White House Plumbers, right? Yeah, it was an and, unfortunate uh, lineup. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know who does programming at HBO, but it was not great this year. Casey Blois. was not great. Well, well Casey Bloys, who's the head of HBO, does have to, you know, he has to report to Zaz. So Zaslov. So yeah. Uh, yeah. and now we Which have is Max. the one that got booed at a at a college graduation recently. Yeah. Zaslov. Yeah. 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 That was that was interesting. And now I can watch Dr. Pimple Popper along with Succession. I feel great. You know what? You know what we can watch too? 90 Day Fiance. 90 Day Fiance. I knew you were I got to cancel my Discovery Plus subscription and I upgraded <laughs> my Max. And now I'm saving money. I'm watching hey. my reality TV. I'm saving money. This is great. You're winning. You I am winning. winning. I am winning. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's a head scratcher. There are times when a big sh- there's a big show and then I go to the app and it could be Disney, it could be Discovery, it could be Apple or whatever. And I can't get to the show. I'm like, wait, this yeah. is your premiere show. This is a show. Andor was one of those. Yeah. Andor was buried for the first few weeks. There was something on, oh, The Expanse. Final season mm-hmm. of Expanse on Amazon. You couldn't find it on the front page. Meanwhile, yeah. Rings of Power, it was showing up as, a, as the tape around the Amazon boxes that you, yeah. when you were ordered anything from that time. Frame. I know. I know. It was crazy. crazy. And it was on the subway. It was, it was everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember I was, I was uh, on an Echo device, and I, uh-huh. I, I think I said, play Coraline, because I was watching that movie, and I said, play Coraline, and it said, playing Coraline, by the way, The Rings of Power Season <laughs> 1 is fully available on Amazon Prime. It was, it was like insane. It was that insane around this time. That is directed advertising. That is insane. I know. That's crazy. I know. But I, I, to compare to Rings of Power more, um, I think Brian hits the nail on the head with, if this inspires someone to yeah. seek out the history, right. that's a win. And so I felt the same way about Rings of Power. If this inspires someone to go read the Silmarillion or check out the Second Age writings by the fall of Numenor, you know, go a little bit deeper into Tolkien's works, that makes me happy. Even right. if the show isn't operating at a super high level, and I think, you know, we, we might actually be discussing that with, uh, with someone else later this year, uh, our, our thoughts on Rings of Power as a retrospective. Oh, right. yes. But, mm-hmm. but um, you know, even even if it's not the best show in the world, the fact that we're getting to see these things on screen and the fact that this is bringing more people into the fold, I, I love that. So I'm glad yeah. that you're getting the same experience, Brian, with White House Plumbers and other historical dramas. Yeah, and it'll be part of the canon of visual uh, visual literacy, visual historical, I don't know, something. Did it, but like when you think of all the president's men or Frost Nixon and Gaslit and all of these things, there's a rich uh, body of uh, visual storytelling that uh, people can go to to uh, get a sense of what happened during this. Because yeah, the 60s were a wild time. Uh, yeah. and we feel like we're living in a wild time now, but Back then, it really was the country was being shook at its foundations. Uh, yeah, uh, on a number of levels. They were also in the seventies. Yes, yeah. It's been a tumultuous happening. time. It's been a very yeah. tumultuous time to be alive. Yeah. Well, David, yes, I sir. think it's time to wrap this up. 
it's yep. been quite a season, quite a mini series, I guess. Not a it's been a quite, quite a, a week of television. Uh, I know. Should we talk about Ted Lasso really quick? Oh yes, let's before uh, people tune out on that. the outro. Yeah, so Ted Lasso, we're delaying just a few days. We've had some David's traveling. I'm pretty busy right now, too. And we wanted to give everybody an opportunity to get uh, season wrap-up thoughts in as well. So we're going to be recording that Sunday night uh, after this airs. So get your feedback in still, lorehounds at thelorehounds.com, or do it on Discord, or do it on our website, thelorehounds.com, whatever you want to do. But we're going to be doing a full recap, so it's going to be a little longer. Uh, you'll get uh, a little bit more content from us on the Ted Lasso finale. I think we both loved it. I'm really excited to talk about it. And uh, so check that out. That'll be in your feeds sometime next week. Yeah, if we were going to do it tonight or this week, it would have gotten squeezed in. And when we thought about it, we just felt that the episode needed a full scene by scene breakdown rather than the compressed format that we've been doing. Um, and it, I don't know that we would have done a great job on it. So we really right. wanted to right. take our time, let it breathe for a second, uh, before we record it. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to wrap up this show. David, you want to discuss our Patreon supporters? Sure. Um, really quick shout out to our, uh, top tier Patreon subscribers, our lore masters, uh, Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter O H, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, and newest lore master, my mom, <laughs> Joyce E. <laughs> Hello. That's my mom. Joyce. She she joined us. Well, thanks. Thanks, David's mom. And my sister also is uh, uh, signed up uh, on on the Patreon as well. This is is exciting. We are being supported by the family, David. Well, you know, and it's not. It's not nepotism here because we do actually have cause. So this is actually helping us to produce <laughs> the, the, the the show. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I think it's great. They they really loved it, both of them. Really loved the Earthsea podcast that we did with uh, Marilyn. They love. They both love Marilyn. They think Marilyn's great, and and so yeah. Well, who they're, doesn't? They're pretty excited. So, um, but anyway, to all of our Patreon uh, subscribers, to our um, Lorehounds and Lorefiend members, thank you all so very much. Uh, it really does make a huge difference. There are real costs involved in running a podcast, and. All of that goes to that and also um, to <laughs> justifying to our spouses for all this time and effort that we put into. Uh, I told my wife this one was going to take a half hour. So uh, <laughs> if I'm not back next week, you know why. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, at the top of the podcast, we mentioned that we're turning one year old. Uh, July 11th is our actual uh, podcasting birthday. And we're going to be celebrating all the month of July. We have uh, some new Patreon benefits that we're going to be turning on. Uh, I think we can start talking about a few of them now. We'll keep talking about them as we we go through June. We're going to sure. flip on we're going to flip the switch on annual memberships so you could actually start to do that if that works better for your budget, you can pay for a whole year in advance. Um, Gives you a little discount too if you do that. Exactly. Uh, live watches, we're going to be doing live watches for our second breakfast movies and for our Star Wars uh, film fest. So those are fun. Uh, we've got a special thank you sticker that is being produced and um, we're going to send that to you um, in the mail. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a special commemorative one year sticker. Only people who are subscribed in July are going to get this. 
it's not going to be sold or bought or bought or sold. Um, there's a nice John Cusack uh, uh, reference there for us old folks um, to from Say Anything. Did you ever see Say Anything, John? I have not. Oh. I've never heard of this movie. Oh, okay. Uh, it's the it's the famous one where John Cusack's holding the the boombox over his head with the Peter this a real movie? song. Huh? Is this a real movie? <laughs> you pulling my leg? This is a real movie. I went okay, okay, uh, uh, Gen Xers, uh, mail bomb John <laughs> with your disbelief. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, we're going to send that to everyone and as as a thank you. So um, if you've been thinking about being a subscriber, now would be a great time to to join us. Um, it's a fun community. It's a fun family. And, uh, we do it all for you. Truly. Cause I would do anything for love. There you go. And I would do that. There I you would go. Do it. What's up in June? In June, we've got a ton of stuff going on. Uh, Thursday, June 8th, we're going to have an eight o'clock Eastern time showing of the studio Ghibli film, uh, which is, TBA because yeah, patrons are voting on it. I just checked. It is currently tied between my neighbor Totoro and Kiki's delivery service. So if you're a patron, definitely head on the Patreon. You'll see it's pinned to the top. You can vote on the Studio Ghibli movie. Uh, It's only got five days left. So definitely check that out ASAP if you want to vote on there. And you don't have to have seen the movie to vote on it. You can pick the one that you want. Just Google the the title and yeah, just click something. Yeah, which which title sounds more interesting to you? Exactly. Yeah. Um, we're also going to be doing that Saturday, just scheduling-wise, it worked better to do these both in the same week. That Saturday, we're going to be watching The Phantom Menace on our Discord uh, because we're starting to cover those movies this month. And uh, later in the month, you'll get a full podcast on The Phantom Menace. Uh, as far as uh, what's coming for podcasts next week, we have... Uh, Star Wars Visions Volume 2, we're going to be doing a discussion about that full uh, season. And then you, David, are going to be on the MC Universe with John and Alicia talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, yes. which is that new animated movie that's coming out. Uh, Very it looks really great. Got my tickets. I'm going Friday night. I'm in the city. I'm in New York this week. And I'm finishing up uh, the work that I'm doing, and I'm going straight to the theater. Very exciting. <laughs> 5.30 showing. Very exciting. Uh, just a couple more notes for this month, since we we don't have a ton this month coming. Uh, we're taking a, a little bit of a lighter month, even though it's still like 12, 13 podcasts uh, before we hit the ground running again in June. Uh, we are also going to July. be... Oh, July. July. I don't even know what month it is anymore. <laughs> um, that's how, yeah, that's how crazy it is. Yes. Uh, so again, we have Second Breakfast coming for our patrons. We're going to be doing a Studio Ghibli movie, so finish voting on that, and we'll be talking about it on there. Um, and we also have Marilyn coming back to talk with me about Mrs. Davis. We're going to be talking yes. about that full season, the full series. Uh, just me and Marilyn. What an exciting gonna, time. That hasn't happened since Rings of Power. Yeah, uh, and this going to kind of kick off uh, this new idea that we have for Lorehound One-Shots. Where if there's a season or something that John or I are excited about and that we're, we've watched and we want to podcast about it, you know, we might invite one of our contributors or our, our friends uh, on with us uh, to cover it. And Marilyn was so hype about Mrs. Davis. She was like, guys, we got to talk about it. we got to talk about it. And John watched it. And, and I think you had the same level of hype. I was thrilled about Mrs. Davis. It was amazing. so good. And again, it got lost in the wash of all of the other show of Succession right. and Yellow Jackets and and uh what a weird month of tv it was packed 
Yeah. All right. So anyway, that I'm really excited to to hear you guys' podcast on that. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about Maryland about it about it with Maryland. Yes. Book Nook, Further Shore, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin. Start reading for the Furthest Shore now if you're if you're following along in the Earth. Uh, good call. Good call. Uh, other than that, I think that's all we want to talk about for now. We'll keep doling these out throughout the month, and you could always go to our Discord server or our Patreon page and check out in the community updates on our Discord server. It has our full schedule for the month of June. So check that out. We will see you uh, not on another White House Plumbers podcast, but I hope you'll join us on another series and uh, see you all soon. Thanks, everyone. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.